If you will this morning, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah, the 51st chapter, beginning at verse 12. And uh, we want to uh, look at these verses together. Isaiah 51, beginning at verse 12. This is a song about the Lord, our Maker, our Creator. And it says this, I am He who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? Of the Son of Man who is made like grass and have forgotten the Lord your Maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. And you fear continually all the day because of the wrath of the oppressor when he sets himself up to destroy and where is the wrath of the oppressor? He who is bowed down shall speedily be released. And he shall not die and go down to the pit. Neither shall his bread be lacking. I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. And the Lord of hosts is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you in the shadow of my hand establishing the heavens and laying the foundations of the earth and saying to Zion, you are my people. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. I wanted to talk a little bit over the next few weeks just about a theology of God and sometimes when you're talking about theology of God, um, people eye, people's eyes tend to glaze over when you talk, start talking about theology. But you know, we, we do theology all day long whether we realize it or not. And, and, and we need a good theology of God. And one of the ways to teach the theology of God is to look at the various characteristics of God or, or things that He has called in the Scriptures. And, and, and not just talking about a theology of God um, in, in a general sense, or, or, or in a, um, a, a teaching kind of sense where we're, we're just gaining knowledge. But, but why, why, what are the reasons? Why should we care about the theology of God? And how does that um, help us in our daily lives? How, how does that work within us? How does that work in my situation? How does that work in my circumstances? And one of the first images that we learn about God is that He is the Creator. Now, I think about all the things that are going on in our world today and, and, and the seeming chaos that's happening all over the world. Um, right now, just this week, in, in, in Iran, there are protests against the government um, because um, a, a young lady w was killed. And, uh, you know, the, the, the people are, are rebelling against an oppressive regime. And, 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 and all the things that are happening within that, all the violence and, and things um, is, is, is disheartening. And, and, and it's, it, you know, um, whatever side you come down on in, in this idea, um, it, the people in, in Iran are under oppression. But, but, but this whole thing of, of violence and, and, and things being chaotic is, 
is something that, that, um, that, that we see and we wonder, where is God? Or I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, our, our friends in Southeast Asia, um, EMC uh, members who have an EMC headquarters, and how they were in the crossfire between uh, the, the military and a rebel group, and they were using our headquarters there as, as a refugee place. You know, what are those refugees doing, or, or, or what are they thinking in, in a world that, that, that's become so chaotic because of the violence going on around them? Or even down to our own lives, the things that, that we are going through on a daily basis, the, 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 the medical scares, uh, the financial um, problems, and, and how are we going to um, make it uh, through, through this, 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 this upcoming crisis? How am I going to um, pay this off? Or, or what about my, um, my, my, my child who, who is sick or injured? And, or, or, or even a death in the family? Those, those kinds of things that we go through on a daily basis. Those, those kind of hard things that, that we deal with. Where is God in those situations where, where my life seems like it, it, it's falling apart and, and, and there's chaos all around me? Well, the Bible tells us that God is the creator of the world. And you might say, well, God's the creator of my chaos. Not, no, I, I don't think that's necessarily true. But God is the maker of the world and he is the maker of us. And that means he is in control of all things ultimately. And the things that, that come up in our lives are, are usually because, number one, we've turned away from God in our hearts long ago. Or number two, just the chaos that the world fell in because of original sin. And, 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 and God allows that to go on. Why? Because He wants us to learn to come to Him. And I believe that's very true today. But in this particular passage of Isaiah, the idea that God is, is, is creator is very important. He stands over and above the world. So many other religions uh, have, have taught, and, 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 it, and it's true in the ancient paganism, that, that God is part of this world. That, that he's, he's in the trees, He's in the mountains, He's in the sky. You know, the, skies, the sky is a God, the tree is a God, the the rocks are our God, the rivers are our God. That's the ancient idea that the pagans had, that, that there's a continuity. And, and what that means then is, um, God reflects the, the world to them. God, God, the gods have all the same kinds of problems that mankind does. The, God, the gods have uh, conflicts, the gods have wars, the gods have... Um, all kinds of, of chaos going on among them. So, so some of them are, are as mean and as evil as, as, as men are. But one of the things about the Bible that, that stands out, because the Bible was written during a time of all this paganism, the Bible teaches us that God is the transcendent creator of the world. The world came from Him. He is not the world. He is not part of the world. He's not tied to the world. He's not bound by the world. But by His own command, the world came into existence. <laughs> and, and, and whatever um, uh, what we call primordial existence may have been, some say there was something there, it was just chaotic. Whatever it is, God stood outside of it. He commanded it to come into existence. He commanded order. 
And he was in charge of that completely. God is not the world, and he certainly is not us. And we know that from the first pages of, of Genesis, the first pages of the Bible. We learn that God is the creator of all. And so here in, in the book of Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah, um, hundreds of years, thousands of years even, after the creation of the world, we're not exactly sure how long that the creation of the world is, um, we know that, that the Bible gives us some genealogy and says it's about 6,000 years. It could be longer than that. I'm not sure. But all these centuries, all these thousands of years later, Isaiah here is a prophet of God, and God is speaking to him from the heavens, giving him the words to say to the people of Israel. And what the people of Israel were facing were several threats from all these great empires around them. Uh, the Assyrians in the north came in and they wiped out the northern territories of Israel. Uh, the kingdom was split at this time. They had the northern kingdom, you had the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was wiped out by the Assyrians. And uh, God providentially kept the Assyrians out of the southern kingdom. You can read about that story in Isaiah. But there was also another threat, um, even bigger than the Assyrians, called the Babylonians. And Isaiah was giving them predictions that if they didn't turn around from their sinfulness, if the Israelites did not turn back to their God, that the Babylonians were going to come in and sweep them away too. But at the same time, God is telling Isaiah this as well. He's saying, I'm not going to utterly wipe out my people. What's going to happen is there's going to be a remnant that goes into captivity. And that remnant is going to be there in, in Babylon for 70 years. And he gives this to, uh, prediction to Isaiah long before it happens. It's interesting how you know, God is telling exa Isaiah exactly what's going to happen, even though Isaiah himself exists 200 years before the events. Now, you know, scholars try to explain that away and say, okay, well, it's, it's not um, the same Isaiah writing this as was before. But it, that there's, you know... That, that there's no evidence that, that says that he's not, and tradition says that Isaiah is one book, and the evidence scientifically is that um, Isaiah is one book even before the Roman era started. And, and so, so we have to, I mean, I think we've got to take God's word as, as, as what it claims at face value before we start questioning it, before we start examining it. And, and, and if history bears out the, the idea that, okay, this cannot be the same Isaiah, then fine. But so far it hasn't. There's been no evidence to say that, that this Isaiah didn't exist 200 years before the events he's predicting. And so I, I'll, I'll accept the Bible as true. I'll accept it at face value and have faith in it. But 200 years before the Babylonians uh, come in and take Israel, Isaiah's telling them that the Babylonians are coming... They're going to take you into activity and captivity. But there's another promise from God where he is comforting his people. He starts off by saying in verse 12 here, I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you are afraid of man who dies? Why are you afraid of other people? Why are you afraid of those in power? Why are you afraid of those who are taking you into captivity? 
Why, why are you afraid of those who, who are imprisoning you? And he's saying that you should not be afraid of this man, of the oppressor. Number one, he says, because the Son of Man is like grass. He's temporary. He's going away. He's going to die. Your problem is, verse uh, 13, is that you have forgotten the Lord your Maker. <laughs> you're afraid of these oppressors. You're afraid of, of these harrowing circumstances. You're afraid of this captivity. Why? Because you have forgotten the Lord your Maker. Now, why is that such a big deal? Because God, as Maker, made all things. It says here, He stretched out the heavens. He's the one that, that, that created the sky and, 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 and the stars that appear at night and, and, and the moon that comes across those heavens. He's the one that, that uh, gave us the blue sky in, in, in the morning and, and, and the burning bright sun that we see every day. God is the one who made those things that you think are so powerful. And, and if you think the sun and moon and stars and, and the heavens above are, are powerful things, if you think nature is a wonderful and powerful thing that, that exists, then, then think about the power that God Himself has as the one who created it all. And He has near infinite power as the Creator. So He's saying, why are you afraid when, when I'm such a, such a powerful God who made all things, why are you afraid of these things that are happening? Why, why are you shaking in these circumstances? Why, why are you torn apart? Well, it's because that you have forgotten that I am the Lord your Maker. And I am He who comforts you, He says here. The Israelites had, had, had forgotten that God, their Creator, what, what was the one who made them and made the world, and therefore, because of that, He is in control of all things. In theology, the idea of God as being creator, we talk about, about that um, as a characteristic. And as a characteristic, we use the word sovereignty. It means that, that God is over and above the world and that He is in charge of all things and that uh, not, nothing escapes Him. A everything that's in the world was made by Him and, and therefore He is in charge of it all and, and nothing can escape His power. But because he wants this relationship with Israel, he has allowed this to befall them. So hopefully they'll come back and remember him as, as God their maker. Because, that, you know, throughout this whole period of the kingdom, you know, in the beginning they served God pretty well, but they, they started adopting all the paganism of, of their neighbors. And in fact, after Isaiah's time, just before the Babylonians came in, uh, they, they were um, worshiping the false gods. They were even sacrificing their own children to these gods. That's how horrible it became in Israel before the Babylonians came in and took them away. That, that they, had gone, they, they had forgotten God so, so, so much that they had turned to such evil and wicked practices. Just, just a copy of the other nations around them that were doing these things. But God long ago had told Israel that, that you are my people. And he says that here, I am the Lord your God. 
There is no power, more powerful statement than the one in verse 15 there. I am the Lord your God. That means that God had adopted Israel in particular for a particular purpose in the world. And that was to be His messengers in the world. And these messengers had forgotten who God was. The powerful God of the universe who made all things and, and, and where, where everything was under Him and He was in charge of everything. They had forgotten Him and turned away from Him into idolatry. And He had promised that He would be their God. The powerful God of the universe says, I will be your God and you will be my people. When he brought them out of, out of the land of Egypt centuries before under the leadership of Moses, God himself was the one who brought them out. Moses was just the instrument. But he tells them, I am your God. <laughs> I am him. I am he. I am the Lord your God. And he tells them, he says, after he brings them out of Egypt, he says, If you obey me fully and keep my commandments, then out of all nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole world is mine, he says, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In other words, the, the sovereign God who owned everything promised himself to, to a particular group of people and told them that you'll be my, my treasured possession if you obey me fully and keep my commandments. The one true God, the one who is above all other gods, and, and, there, and Isaiah later on says that there is none before him and none after him. The sovereign God of the universe, the one who is in charge of it all, the one who made it all, wanted this special relationship with one group of his creation who decided long ago that they would follow him wherever he went even though the rest of the world had rejected him. This one group of people, because they believed in him and were faithful to him at one time, God chose them out of the world to be his special people. But even they fell to the pattern of the world. That They allowed these powerful enemies to impress them. They allowed these pagan nations to impress them. And they began following them instead of the one who had offered to be their God, the Creator God, the one who made all things. And so here he is, he's speaking comfort to them. He says, why are you afraid of the oppressor when I'm the one who stretched out the heavens? Why are you afraid of your situation when I'm the one who um, you know, laid the foundations of the earth? I'm the one who makes the, the seas uh, roar. <laughs> I'm the one who, who did all these things, and yet you have forgotten me and have allowed your fear to overcome you. And he says, because I'm the Lord your God, remember, he who is bowed down will soon be released. In other words, he who has been captive by these Babylonians in context, you're going to be released to be my people again if you'll remember me and put your faith and trust in me. I'm giving you a promise that I, I will release you as, as a captive and, and, and bring you back um, for, from, from this circumstance if you'll but remember me, come back to me, repent, keep my covenant is another thing that, that's happening here. Keep, keep obedience to me. Remain faithful to me and I will bring you out of whatever captivity that you're in. And you need not fear the oppressor. 
Well, that's a glorious message to us today because God is still the God of creation. <laughs> that has never changed. God is still sovereign. God is still in control of the whole world. God is in control of every situation, even today. And yes, we see chaos. Yet, yet, yes, we see trouble. We, we, we see that chaos on the news reports of things happening across the world. We see it immediately in our own, in our own lives as we go along. One of the problems I think that, that we have in, in, in Christianity is that, is that we have made God to be too small. You know, God, God can't deal with my problems, but the big, but the government can. I'll, I'll, I'll go and, or, or, or the big corporation can, or the big bank can help me. But, but God is just for um, my little convenience, someone that, that I pray to, somebody that, that I whip out every once in a while when I have, you know, a problem. Uh, someone that, that I just, um, you know, keep, keep on the back burner, so to speak. The, the, the church is just a place I go to to meet with the community and, and see other people. But it doesn't really affect, affect my daily life except when um, I have a problem and, and, and I need Him. God is much, much bigger than that. In order to have our, our problems solved, in, in, in order to have our, our um, situations change and our circumstances change, we need to, again, realize as a church how big and wonderful and transcendent and powerful God really is. If we want Him to help us in our daily lives, we've got to remember that, that who He is. He is our Maker. He's the one who made us. He's the one who created us. He's the one that put us here. He's the one that, that, that's over the whole world. God, God is bigger than any problem or any situation. God, God is bigger than, than the bank I'm trusting to give me a loan. God is bigger than, than the government who's um, trying to set policies, um, <laughs> whether you think they're good or not, trying to set policies to stem this inflation that's going on. God, God is bigger than that. We, we need to be looking to Him rather than the government to solve our problems. And if anything um, shows that, it, it's the situation that we're in right now. And, and the government can change hands to another party if it wants to, but God is still bigger than, than either of those, than either of those political parties. God is bigger than, than the big government. God is the one who can help us in all of our situations. God is the one who can bring us through our problems. And what we need to do is put our faith and trust in Him. Again, too often, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that we don't go to doctors. I'm not saying that we don't go to the bank for a loan. But those things are tied to this world. The, the, those things are temporary things. The, the, those things will help us to get through. God, God can use those things. He can use doctors to help us diagnose our problems. He, he can use the banks to give us the loans that we need to um, pay off whatever um, bills and mortgages and things like that that we have. Um, the, but those things are just instruments. And those things are temporary. God is eternal. And we need to have an eternal perspective for our problems. And, and not let them get us down and bogged down in fear. 
Not let, not let our problems get us down in, in, into doubts and, and, and depression. Oh my goodness, there's so much depression and anxiety out there today. Um, and, and it's increasing as we go. And, and I think the more and more as society, as we push God into a corner, as, as, as we push the Christian faith into a corner, um, and, and, and we become more and more a post-Christian society, the more stress and anxiety and... and uh, Unfortunately, um, people committing suicide, those kinds of things, um, are going to increase. When we, when we begin to realize that we have a great and powerful God who can help us through any situation, who, who, who is with us, then that, changes, that can change our perspective. And, and, and not just the God who we put in our pack bo- back pocket and pull Him out whenever we need Him, but a God that we offer our lives to, a God that we offer our very self to, a God that we realize is in charge of the whole world, and, and, and our job is, is to give ourselves to Him and obey Him. But God is also a gentleman, and it doesn't lessen His sovereignty at all to say that, okay, I'm going to let you decide, um, man, who, who you want to who you want to serve this day? Do you want to serve me, or do you want to serve this, this world, which which is temporary and passing away, but which is chaotic? He gives us the the choice to serve him or not to serve him. The problem is is that the fact of, of reality is all things are moving towards this this God who is the Creator and Maker of all. All history is culminating in Him. And, and, if, and if we want to live away from Him and, and live in um, a rejection of Him and live in our own way and, 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 uh, and allow you know, the chaos of this world to, to uh, you know, be the place where we want to um, put ourselves in and keep ourselves there and allow fear to overcome us and those kinds of things, then we're going to find ourselves eternally separated from Him um, at the end. But if you give your heart and life to Jesus now, if, 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 to, to, Jesus is the way of salvation that God has put forth for us. The Creator God says, and, and the Sovereign God says, there's only one way back to me, and that is to believe in my Son, Jesus Christ, who came and made a way back through His own um, sacrifice for you. His sacrifice takes away the, the offense that we committed against God, and it also transforms our hearts so that the, the idea that, that God would send His Son to come down and sacrifice Himself for us so that our, our, our sin and the curse of, in, on this world could be purged and that, that, that if we have faith in, in Jesus Christ, we can be reconciled again to the Father. I mean, that, that's a glorious truth. God loved us so much that He came down and gave Himself for us. And that should make us want to love Him. That, 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 that's a precious gift that God has given Himself for us. The Creator God who made all things lowered Himself down to us in order to save us, to make a way for salvation, to make a way back to Him. And if we have faith in the Son, Jesus Christ, then we also have faith in, in, in God the Father who made all things. And, and, and we have um, a glorious access to Him 
that not everybody in the world does because we, we believe in the way of salvation that He made for us. It's the same thing here with these Israelites long ago. God gave them a way in order to come to Him. And that was through the covenant, but they rejected the covenant. And, 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 and they turned away. Why? Because the covenant that God made for them before was one to teach them about, about sinfulness, one that taught them about Himself, but it's not one that could save them. Only God through Jesus Christ and Him, him coming in, in, in person to show us the way back to God can save us and bring us back into this relationship with the Creator God. God, the Sovereign God, did all that for us. And the question is, why can't we trust Him now? I would say most, most of you have, have told me that, that you believe in the Son, Jesus Christ. That, that you've received, you know, that, that, that you've asked Him for forgiveness of your sins. That, that, that you've received baptism as, as a sign and seal of what God has done in your life. Many of you have become part of this church confessing that you believe in the Son, Jesus Christ. But maybe you're having a struggle right now because of things going on in your life and, and uh, you're, you're um, in fear of what's happening. You're afraid of the circumstances that you're in. Knowing that God is the creator of all things, that He has made all things, that He has made you, means that He is in control of the situation. And you can put your faith and trust in Him. And God says He's the God of all comfort. He's the God that will see you through. It may not happen the way that we think it ought to happen. And I'll even say this. Those who believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, have a promise of a resurrection. And, and not even death is something that we need to fear. But if we believe and have faith in the Son, Jesus Christ, we know that we'll be welcomed into His presence. And the greatest healing that we can have is to be in His presence. Sometimes it's time for, for God to bring us home. We, we, we need to trust in Him for that as well. So I'll ask you this morning, do you have that faith and trust in God as a sovereign God in cre uh, of, of creation who is big enough to handle whatever problem and circumstance you're facing, whether it's a geopolitical conflict or the bill that's coming in my mailbox. God is big enough to help us with all those things if we'll but trust in Him. He's the first person that we should be going to when we're in a tough situation because He is the God who is in charge of all things. Let's stand.